Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 6th of April, 2023. As the Flyers road trip continues tonight in Dallas against a very good Dallas Stars team. Dallas sitting in the top spot of the Central Division of the Western Conference. Top five team in the West as well. They are tied with the Colorado Avalanche with 98 points. Three teams tied at the top of that division. How about this? Colorado, 98 points through 76 games. The Minnesota Wild, 98 points through 77 games. And the Dallas Stars, 98 points through 77 games as well. And the Dallas Stars will be headed to the playoffs. And look out, they may be a team to be reckoned with. Good goaltending. They fit all of those parameters that I talk about of a team that could possibly go on a cup run. And the number one determining factor, it seems, in today's NHL is goals allowed per games played. And when you look at the Dallas Stars, they give up the seventh fewest goals allowed per games played in the NHL. They give up just 2.73. They're a hundredth uh, off of the Colorado Avalanche. You give up 2.72. Top team in the NHL, the Boston Bruins, who we'll see coming up on Sunday, 2.12 goals allowed per games played. Carolina, number two. Minnesota, number three. The Rangers, number four. Islanders, number five. Colorado, six. Dallas, seven. Devils, Leafs and Winnipeg Jets all round out the top 10. What do all those teams have in common? It's not about goal scoring. They're all great defensively, and they're all legitimate cup contenders. If you can keep the puck out of your net, just as important as being able to put it in the opposition net and come playoff time, when games get tight, you need good goaltending. We're going to talk about good goaltending and tanking in a moment. But the Flyers uh, get the Dallas Stars tonight. Game number three of this road trip, which started out in Pittsburgh against the Penguins. And the Flyers lost that game 4-2. Then they lost, obviously, the game on Tuesday in St. Louis, also by a score of 4-2. And the Flyers will get Dallas tonight. Now, who leads the way for the Dallas Stars when it comes to putting the puck in the net? We talk about keeping it out. We'll talk about that in a second. But Jason Robertson, he's got 101 points in 77 games, 43 goals, 58 assists, 11 power play goals, 26 power play assists, 37 power play points. Pretty lofty shooting percentage, too, at 14.5%. Jamie Benn, good year for him as well. He is playing really good. 77 games, he's got 32 goals and 73 points. How about the ageless wonder, Joe Pavelski? Pavelski, 77 games, 72 points, 12 power play goals. Obviously, Miro Heiskanen on the blue line. And when you look at their power play, the Dallas Stars, you got to be effective on the power play. Keeping the puck out of your net and making a team pay when they take a penalty is a big, big element. Dallas on the season is also seventh in power play percentage, clicking at 24.0%. Best team in that category? How about the Edmonton Oilers? An absurd 32.7%. Goaltending, 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 goaltending. You know I love it. And Jake Ottinger has played in 58 games this year, a record of 33-11-11, 2.47 goals against average, and a 9.17 save percentage. Team save percentage of 9.14. Scott Wedgwood's given them some pretty quality goaltending as well with a 9.15 save percentage. Flyers, Stars, Game 3 of the four-game trip coming up tonight. They'll wrap up the trip with the New York Islanders coming up on Saturday night, back-to-back for the Flyers this weekend. It'll be the Islanders on Saturday night on the road, and then back home, they'll take on the Boston Bruins coming up on Sunday. 
playoff picture in the Eastern Conference. Right now has the Pittsburgh Penguins on the outside looking in. Penguins lost their last game. Florida won. Florida is now pow- or wild card number one with 87 points through 78 games. They have 40 regulation wins. That's why they're ahead of the New York Islanders, who are tied with them in points and games played uh, with 87 points in 78 games. But the Islanders have 39 regulation wins. And if it comes down to a tiebreaker, the Penguins only have 38 regulation wins. All three of those teams have played 78 games. So we'll see if it's the Panthers, the Islanders, and the Pens and Caps would be out. That would be interesting. And hasn't happened in a very long time, about 20 years. All right, one of the things I wanted to talk about in this episode, I want to get to a couple of DMs that I got. One regarding John Tortorella and him not being behind the bench of late. And let's start with this one. This one comes from at GoFlyers73. He DMs me and says, Jason, thank you for your podcast. I listen every morning on my way to work. You do a great job explaining your views in a calm, collective way based on facts and common sense. You stay away from sensationalist views and keep it logical. You're 100% right about not tanking. So many studies show the negative effects that losing has on athletes psychologically. I wish everyone understood that all it does is create a culture of losing. With that said, I love your music choices at the end of your show. You should create a public playlist of your music from the show. Uh, First of all, thank you for the DM. I greatly appreciate it. I love getting DMs from everybody. Um, Let me just, I'll hit this one first. There is a Spotify playlist that I have put together with a lot of the music I use. Um, Just search my name, Jason Mertitus, M-Y-R-T-E-T-U-S on Spotify, and you can get it there. So I'll be adding to it coming up as well. But it's something that we've talked quite a bit about this year about tanking and we see teams like the Chicago Blackhawks who the Flyers will wrap up the season against coming up a week from today on the 13th we see it you know teams jockeying for position to try and get Connor Bedard even in a weighted lottery world because if you're the worst team in the league you strip away as much talent as you can and you lose the most games in the league you still get less than an 80 percent chance of not getting the top pick in the in the draft now, this draft's got a bunch of players. It's not just Bedard. It's Fantilli. It might be Michkov at three. It could be Leo Carlson and others. So you're probably guaranteeing yourself a top five pick by completely tanking. But the effects of tanking, and I did some research on this, and I found a great article on The Athletic that was written in January. Let me give the uh, author his pub. It's Eric, oh boy, I don't know how to say his name, Duhaschek. To Haschek, and did a whole thing on tanking and the effects of it and talked to a bunch of executives around the league and talked quite a bit with Ray Ferraro, former NHL player, now broadcaster uh, with ESPN. And Ray Ferraro had some very interesting things to say in regards to tanking and how do you do it? And, you know, he, he brings up, yeah, you strip away all your talent because every player wants to win when they play. That's inherent with an athlete. If they're competing, they want to compete to win the game. And I was reading some studies, the effect of losing versus the effect of winning as an athlete, and especially an athlete in professional sports, if you accept losing, it brings in other issues to your mentality off the ice. It can lead to depression. It can lead to, you know, not being a guy that takes his profession seriously. It can shorten a career for some players. 
by having a lot of losing early on in their career. The effect of it is pronounced, especially if the organization or franchise you play for is sanctioning the fact that you're not winning games. The other thing he talks about, though, is really the way to tank in the NHL. A lot of people think, oh, you trade away all your veteran players and, you know, you deplete your roster. Really, that's not the way. The way to tank in the NHL, he said, was to keep a lot of veteran players and add more veteran players at the end of their career. They'll be less motivated. Because when you trade away a veteran player, say a decent player, maybe Patrick Kane, or you trade away somebody that's going to help a team in a push for a cup, most likely the player that's going to replace them in the roster is a young player who's trying to make his mark. So he's going to go out there and give everything he has. The other way to do it is by putting inferior goaltending in your crease. We know the effect of goaltending in hockey, how important it is for the players in front of the goaltender to be able to play the game the right way because they're not afraid to make a mistake knowing they can get a save from that guy. If you have substandard goaltending, that's probably the best way to go about tanking. But the really the big thing is, and Ray Ferraro, I'll read a couple of these quotes. He says, Chicago is maybe the team that has done it best this year. But what if you do all that and wind up with the second pick or the third pick? Because everyone's saying tank for Bedard. But you don't necessarily get him. Even if you do tank, you get a chance to get him. But the team that drafts him is going to be pretty terrible. And the first thing you're going to have to do when you draft him is spend money to get him a couple of players to play with. Play with. Otherwise, the kid could just get steamrolled. How is this fair to his growth and development? If not, then the problem is if you get him and you spend some money to surround him with a few good players, then you get right into the ugly part, around seventh from the bottom of the NHL, and you stay there for another five years. And that's not good either. And that's a great point. We've seen so many teams tank, Buffalo, get good players, but just can't, they don't build the team. And they stay, Buffalo's missed the playoffs since 2011. Now, the Oilers have gotten into the playoffs, and they may be a team that can go on a run this year. They have a couple of the best players in the world. They also had four number one overall picks in six years. But it does not always work. It's more rare that a tank does work in the NHL than it is that it doesn't work. All right, let's get to this other DM from our good friend Dan Marcus. He's a uh, repeat DMer to me. Good guy, good Flyer fan. And I was talking about John Tortorella and not really understanding him not being behind the bench. It just felt weird to me. Now, I know he wants to, he's all about the growth of his assistant coaches. That's something that is big for him. And all those guys, every assistant coach wants to be a head coach. That's the ultimate plan. Go from being an assistant, a good assistant, to then becoming the main man and a head coach. Not everybody's cut out for it, but that's the, that's the journey they're on. So giving his assistant coaches the opportunity to get behind the bench, run the show without being second-guessed by him standing there is what he's doing right now when it's kind of inconsequential, the results for the rest of these games this season. Plus, gives him a chance to be with Danny Briere during games, talk about you know, what they want to do moving forward, build that relationship. But Dan says this. He says, here's a theory to your question about why Tort's not being behind the bench in recent games as part of the 
front office changes that will happen this offseason. They move Torts upstairs into some sort of special assistant to the GM or possibly a GM role. He's using these last few games to see who will replace him behind the bench next year as one of the assistants will be promoted to the head coach job. Also, just my observations, but based on the way he's presented himself all year, he's often sounded more like a front office member, not a head coach. He seems to leave the most actual coaching to the assistants anyway. I actually don't hate the idea. Now, I don't know if Bradshaw or Rocky Thompson or Darrell Williams can do the same job as John Tortorella. Maybe they can. Maybe they can do a better job. We don't know. But what I know is this. John Tortorella needs to be the head coach of this team for more years. What he's instilled this year, you cannot now change the messenger. You can change it for these games, and that's fine. Ultimately, Torts is still running the show. His job is not nearly done as the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. And in talking to some people and really doing a lot of thinking about this, Torts is not going upstairs. Torts is going to be behind that bench next year. He's a coach. Talked to him a ton this year. And one of the things about this year that he's enjoyed and that he enjoys about coaching is teaching. And there's been a ton of teaching this year. I think he said in a few press conferences that he has shown more video this year than he ever has at any other NHL stop in his now 20-plus year coaching in the NHL career. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be the head coach. Yeah, it feels a little weird to me, but he'll be the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers. That much, I would book green money on. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. Flyers in Dallas tonight to take on the Stars. We'll break it down tomorrow on a brand new episode of Flyers Daily.